Hello friend. The Mystical American Patriot Society is transmitting to you from our secret ice fortress and laboratory high in the Swiss Alps. This is a variety program for normal sandwich eating Americans with some concerns about living in a deranged, post-Christian technocracy. Keep your third eye on the sky and your ear to the ground as Sumo and Smokestack direct your attention to a higher dimension. Are you ready? Stand by. Lying on the floor of the laboratory is a man whose body has been horribly mutilated. As horribly mutilated as the result of the awesome power of an explosion and inferno. A sickening bleak hole dominates what is left of the man's lower jaw. The bones of his left arm are violently broken and both his legs completely shattered. Half his right arm is missing, and the remainder is a tangle of exposed muscle, sinew, and bone. The man's life is ebbing fast, and he knows it. A wild and careening ride in an ambulance is undertaken to try and save him from the icy clutches of the grimmest of all reapers, but to no avail. He expired at 5.45 p.m. Pasadena's Huntington Memorial Hospital and his acolytes remember him this day every Halloween. Bang, the earth is round. Bang, the earth is round. Bang, the earth is round. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. Uh, Yeah, so... Ugh, have you heard about the snake venom in the water? What? It's not true. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it would... Is, think about the procurement go, process of getting enough snake vi- snake venom to poison a water supply. That would be... It, it, it wouldn't work. It doesn't work. There's this new conspiracy theory floating around. First of all, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Ugh, just, I've been so... I have to tell, you know, because here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. There's a couple things. One is that uh, I'm going to tell you some stuff today, which is objectively true. Like, it's documented, verifiable, and all of these things. But also, which is insane. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you... look, Look, I don't want... How to put this? I don't want you to become... Okay, so some months ago, 
I had to go to the post office. Do you ever have to go to the post office? Unfortunately, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I do. Now, the post office, I'm not against the post office. You know, it's fine. I put a letter in the post office or a package, and it eventually gets where it was addressed. Most of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Occasionally, someone takes it and, like, uh, I don't know, puts it under their Christmas tree or hopes it has uh, something inside they can skin, I think. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's fine, right? But so anyway, I went to the post office and there was this guy there in the line that we were all being waved past because he wouldn't move. <laughs> and he wasn't being belligerent or anything, right? He was just, he had in his hand a dollar bill. Yeah. And he was a lanky white guy, probably like 53, something like that, right? Because lanky white guys are always the ones that hold up lines. Yeah, we do. Of all of the white, well, of all the white guys. Not that I'm lanky, but I am white. Right. Of all the white guys, the people now the black guys that hold up lines are also lanky, but the Asian guys that hold up lines are always chubby. I don't know why this is. This is. Mm. It's empirical fact. Yep. You can judge for yourself. I don't know why, but anyway, so he's there and he's holding up the line and and he's got in his hand a dollar bill. Right. And at my local post office, all of the postal workers are black and they're all nice ladies. They're all black women. And if you go to mail something during Christmas time, they always go, shoo, that looks like a good present or something like that. Right. (laughs) Every time. Okay. Or they go, oh, someone's going to have a Merry Christmas. Just like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, And so they're always real, real sweet. Um, If my daughter goes with me, they will. Give her a piece of candy. Oh, Right? They're real nice. And one of these black women was was sitting there just going... Her face was that she wanted to die. Oh, no. Right? She wanted to, she wanted to pass, shuffle off this mortal coil. Yeah. And go to the great Wakanda in the sky. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, and she was just doing the thing that black women do when they have to endure. Yep. You know, she was she was inwardly praying to Jesus mm-hmm. while going, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, uh-huh, <laughs> like that, right? And this lanky white fellow is there, and he's got a dollar bill in his hand, right? Yeah. And he's pointing to it, all over it, he's pointing at it. He's saying, you see here, a note, a note is, it's a Federal Reserve note, it's it's money they just make up out of nothing. It means debt. Note is a form of debt. Yeah. And tracking the money's not backed by anything. <laughs> See, and there's nothing. It says it's just they can just print it up. And he's in the whole time I'm in the line. He is telling this woman, a hundred percent objectively true information. Yep. And nonetheless, is an insane person. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. 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 And this is this is the thing. This is this is the problem because a lot of people. This was I, I thought about this because someone was talking about how they had, I had a conversation with a homeless guy and he was talking all about MK Ultra and how it was a big problem. Mm-hmm. And he would try to talk to people at a restaurant and be like, "Listen, you know the Unabomber is a government mind control," and people would be like, ah, "And walk and try to and avoid him." Right? I mean, that's probably true though. I mean, 100% it's true. He's yeah. correct. <laughs> yeah. He's not incorrect. 
right? His, his facts are objectively correct. The fault that I want to steer our people away from, because I fell into this trap my, myself sometimes, is believing that just because you are factually correct, you are not also insane. Well. The two can go together. And that's I'm gonna, true. This is what Kier- Kierkegaard talked about. Bang the earth is round. Bang the earth is round. He wrote parables. Did you ever read the parables of Kierkegaard? No. It sounds awesome, though. Kier- they're pretty good. Kierkegaard is the only, of course, Aryan philosopher. Nietzsche was... Uh, obsessed with Untermensch because he was one, mm-hmm. you know, uh, much like uh, Hitler, he did not have blue eyes or or blonde hair. I don't think. I don't really remember. I know Hitler did not. I don't really remember Nietzsche's eye color. Right. Are you familiar? I'm not. He doesn't. The hand, the, the, that mustache could never have existed on someone with blue eyes. I'm fairly convinced of that. Yeah. Probably they were they were probably a shade of amber or brown, mm-hmm. and he wrote about the blonde beasts of the past, the ancient Germanic tribes, wishing that he was one, but he was not one. Yeah, right. He he. Uh, I don't. I think it's a bit of a myth, m- uh, myth that he died of when insane uh, at the end, but he did um, have some STD problems. He's not exactly. The Ubermensch he was hoping for, right? But Kierkegaard, <laughs> on the other hand, maybe so. And Kier- because Kierkegaard, unlike unlike Nietzsche, mm-hmm. even though people will say to me, what about thus spoke Zarathustra? And I'll say to you, shush. Shush, I say. I do not care what Zarathustra thus spoken. Nietzsche was a rationalist in his mind, despite his protestations to the contrary. And... Uh, Kierkegaard was not. Kierkegaard led with his heart, not his brain, instead of like dumb Nietzsche. So, all that said, Kierkegaard wrote a parable about how people can be factually and objectively true, but also still insane. Mm-hmm. You see? And it was called Bang the Earth is Round. And it was a short little story about a man who was in an insane asylum. And he's in there because people think that he believes things which are crazy and are not true. And so he's in there, you know, and he's like, I know I am saying I am saying I know that I'm saying because I believe things that are true. I know that they're true. Like of all the things I need to escape and go prove it to the people. So he escapes through the window one night, right out of the insane asylum. And he starts heading back into town. He's going to prove to his friends and family that he is sane and to all the citizens of the village. And so he goes and he starts walking. And as he's walking, he's trying to think, how will I prove that I am sane? How will I prove that I am sane? And as he's walking, he sees a ball on the side of the road. It's a child's ball. And he picks it up just to have something to do with his hands. And he puts it in his back pocket. And every time he steps, it swings and it hits the back of his thigh. In his pants pocket. Mm -hmm. And he begins thinking... I have to tell them something true. I have to tell them something that they know is not insane. And he thinks about the ball and the roundness of the ball. And he goes, every time it hits his thigh, he goes, bang, the earth is round. That's what I'll say. The earth is round. Of course, that will prove I'm not insane because I know a true thing that we all agree. And so in the middle of the night, at like two in the morning, he strolls into town. And every time he takes a step, he feels the ball hit his leg and he goes, bang, the earth is round. Bang, the earth is round. Bang, the earth is round. And by this, he hopes to prove his sanity. See? Yes. 
It that does not work. Yeah. It does not work, you see, because what he's missing is the truth that this is what happens when you become... This is the problem of be, waking up to the Matrix without actually having escaped the Matrix. Yeah. You see, this is where you go and say, this is what I'm trying to steer our people away from. Because it's like in the movie, when Neo suspects that the world is a computer or fake, he can't operate. It's only when he steps out that he can come back in and he's fine. Right. Right. It's a similar thing, right? And so you cannot operate in the Matrix with the knowledge that the Matrix is fake. You can only tell talk to that talk about that with other people who have escaped the matrix. And otherwise it will not because all of these things that you're saying may be true, but nonetheless you are pointing to the you're saying you're you're, you're doing the equivalent of saying um at the, look there's like code in the wall. Yeah. Which is what this poor man at the post office was trying to do. Everything he was saying about the fed was true. And yet uh he he was a hopeless soul lost uh, to, to the mazes of his own mind because he's trying to, he, but he, he thinks that he can, he can, he can, if he just shows people that the wall is not real, that they will be like, Oh, right. The wall is not real. But what he, what he doesn't understand is that they are participating in the illusion themselves and you have to let them have it. Okay. This is what it feels like to try to talk to people about building seven. I know it's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, and and t- look, and I don't even like Kierkegaard's parable very much because the Earth isn't round. <laughs> we all know that. I was waiting for this, <laughs> right? It isn't. Yeah, I don't know what shape it is. Look, okay. Here Tell we go. Tell me this, listener. <laughs> Tell me this. I okay. used to do weather balloons. Uh huh. I used to fly weather balloons. Yeah. Right. And they would go up very, very high. Sure. And the first time me and my crew did a weather balloon, I joined a weather balloon crew, as you do. You know, and you can do this too, listener, if you'd like. You can go find your local weather ballooning group and you can make a little thing and you can tie it, send it up to a weather balloon and you can measure stuff like the, the temperature with altitude, with a little computer on there and a thermometer and you can measure like humidity and just all sorts of little nerdy stuff you want to do as you go up to the stratosphere, right? And so it goes up and 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 up with this camera on it until it gets to like the edge of space, like it's beginning to look black, right? On the camera. Okay. As you, as people have seen, probably if they've watched, if they've watched YouTube's of high altitude balloon footage. So, and then. Uh, sometime after some appointed time, it would go up high enough and the balloon would expand too much and it would pop and then the thing would fall back down and there'd be a little parachute and and then we would recover it. And we never had to drive more than like five miles to find the thing. Okay. And And the first time it happened, first time, I remember driving there and I was like, hmm, huh. If the earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour underneath us and the thing that keeps us tethered to that momentum is the air around us, the atmosphere, Mm -hmm. then as this thing went up to almost the edge of the atmosphere, why did it not experience some disconnection from that momentum and end up somewhere far away? 
Just a little bit. Good question. Just a little bit. Like, how high does one have to go before one leaves this reference frame? And I, and I never really voiced that at the time. But no one has an answer for that. Really. People be like, but I'm just saying, bang, the earth is flat. Or something. Right? I don't know what it is. It's some sort of real. But anyway. So I'm trying to help people. Because we're going to talk about some stuff today. Which is true. And it's a problem. But also... Uh, you have to you have to be a daywalker. You have to be able to go into the. You have to be able to leave the matrix, and then come back in. Yeah, right. Like you have to be one of these people that operates on two levels. Like yes, money is fake, and yes, you don't actually need it. But also, uh, it isn't fake, and you do need it. I mean, in that guy's defense, I feel insane every time I go into a post office. Yeah, that's true. Which is why can you fault the people that have shot up post offices in the past? Well, yes, I can. I can. Fault okay. Them. Well, see that I mean, that's the thing that could be debated, right? But, but, um, I also saw a similar behavior. And I've noticed this more and more as society breaks down. Mm-hmm. I saw another old man, this time a a black gentleman, at Home Depot, and he was re- he was returning. What was he returning? I think he was returning door hardware. Okay. Like for a doorknob. And this should take about 30 seconds. Yeah. Because he had the receipt and everything. And he was there like 30 minutes. Oh, no. Because he was talking about how uh, there were no WMDs. I don't know how he got on that topic from doorknobs. I wasn't privy to the start of the conversation. But he was trying to convince this other, this, this teller who was also a black girl... Behind, it was also a, a, a black person, mm-hmm. this young lady, that the war in Iraq, which happened when she was a tiny baby, yeah. mostly, was under false pretenses. And she could not have cared any less <laughs> in the whole universe <laughs> about this fact. Yeah. And she was right not to care. But this poor man, you see, he's trying to live in a world where, like, wait a minute. We went to war over nothing and killed a lot of people. And maybe he fought in the thing. I don't know. Maybe that's why it upset him. And it was for nothing. And people don't, that doesn't bother anybody. How can that not bother people? It must bother them since it's true. And I can't live in a world where that doesn't bother people. And so I need to convince them that they should care. And so I'm sure it became a kind of thing where he began to talk to people sort of regularly about it. And he just thought it was normal to when you buy your coffee to say, hey, you know, Osama bin Laden wasn't in Afghanistan. Yeah, that's, you know that's that? important it information. Pa- Everybody Pakistan. needs to know. Everyone needs to know. Yeah. What, what were we even there for? Yeah. Which, that's a good question. I mean, he's right for? in a way. He, and the thing is, he's, he's right. Yeah. Right? He's right. Like, wh- like what, did they, what did they call George Bush Sr.? Do you remember his nickname? Pappy. Pappy or Poppy. And they called him that uh-huh. because not because he was the dad, but because he was the biggest drug dealer of poppy fields. Oh, in the world. right. Yeah. Right. It's always hiding in plain sight. It was there, but like, go kill the towel heads because they hate us for our freedom is a much easier sell than go secure my dad's drug company mm-hmm. money. 
Because America does more heroin than anyone in the world. We just go to the pharmacy and get it in little orange bottles. Instead of uh, shooting it on the street. And the only reason they don't like people shooting on the street is because it infringes on their monopoly. Right? And so, all these things are true, and also no one cares and will ever care. Right? Yep. And you have to get that in your mind. Now, it doesn't mean it's not important. It does mean, it's, this is an exit. It's, an, it's a door out. But you have to understand that only you can take the door out. Well, part, part of the people's problem in the, with this is being s- sort of over-socialized. Where they can't handle right. the fact that other people are wrong or disagree with them or don't understand something. Yes. that Well, that's very true. Um, people uh, really don't like to be uh, disagreed with. Yeah. Or or to think that they are wrong. There's a weird... It's, it's sort of a weird modern problem where... I don't know. Maybe it's not modern. But there's this expectation that everybody in my society is going to understand and believe all the same things that I do. And if not, this must be fixed. And it's just, it's just life doesn't work that way. And some people never get, never learn that lesson and they end up yelling about the federal reserve at the post office. Yeah. To a black lady going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Interiorly saying, please, Jesus, please, Lord Jesus, you know, over and over again. Uh, and the thing is, I don't, I, th- I don't know if it's because it's be, it may be because our society is premised on objective truth. Like it's scientific. Like we choose right. these things because we did data. Right. And so that disconnect may be too much for people to handle because that itself is not true. Right. And so when people like a lot, the systems of society function, I forget who said this, the systems function, but only as a placebo. They work as long as you believe in them. Yeah. And once you stop believing in them, and this is why people have to continue to believe in them. Yeah. The, the dollar has value as long as you believe it has value. The government represents you in so far as you believe it does. Right? And so forth and so on. It all works just, just on that. Because we live in a faith-based system, basically. And this is what that guy was trying to say. Like, this is just backed by faith. It's just faith. And he's 100% correct. They don't. Most people in this country are still under the delusion that the gold that the dollar is backed by gold. Really? They don't. Oh yeah. If you talk to normies, you'd be like, "Oh, you know, it's like they have gold in Fort Knox and stuff to back it up," and that isn't true. Uh, it was one. It's not even formally tied to the gold anymore, as you all know. And two, most of the gold in Fort Knox is probably abandoned and stolen by the Poppy family and the Clintons or whoever else, right? Uh, probably some of it went to go uh, be melted down into a rape room on little St. James Island or something or on the Pitcairn Islands or wherever it goes, you know, but uh, so people like you're saying people need have this need for there to be consensus. That is also true, right? Like we have to, we have to all agree, but it also has to be true. Like we can't agree on something not true. Right. And so people will do one of two things. They will either force themselves to believe the thing that is uh, has the consensus or they will reject the consensus and try to change everyone's mind. And what I'm trying to prime people for is you can leave all of that behind. You don't have to do that thing because that is a path to screaming, bang, the earth is round in the street at two in the morning. Or sitting at the post office talking to the black lady or the the return 
cashier girl at Home Depot. And there's no way to live your life. You you will that's just, you will spiral and spiral and spiral and spiral and spiral and you will never get anywhere. And um that's because you have to you have to walk through the door uh, the, you have to take the red pill alone. Mm. Is I guess what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's deep. You can't drag you can't drag other people. You can't drag other people with you, right? You can't do it. Okay. So, that prefaced before we get into what we're mainly going to talk about, I want to talk about lone scum and volcanoes. L- lone scum? Lone scum is an is an anagram or, or not an anagram. It's a mixed up letters of Elon Musk. Oh. <laughs> Cuz he's like the lone scum. <laughs> his his ridiculous story. The story of Elon Musk is continually ridiculous, and I want to point it out to people before so they stop believing in Elon Musk. And that he's going to save you by buying Twitter or running for, or whatever you think he's going to do. Okay. All right. But my other thing is, why aren't we using volcanoes as energy if the world actually worked as people present it? And like, we're trying to like do things and like be green and have power. Like a lot of countries have volcanoes. It's basically infinite free heat. Right. That could turn turbines and whatever else you wanted. Well, I think why don't I we, think some people have tried it, but the ground is too geologically unstable to your for your, your hardware to survive. Because you need to put heat like heat exchanging pipes in toward the hot parts, uh-huh. right? And then if the ground shifts or some lava blob comes up or the rock cracks, then all your gear is wrecked. But do they not do this in Iceland? Do they? I think that they do. I think that they use the volcanoes. I think that there's proof of concept. It it may be that just only certain volcanic areas are conducive to this sort of work. I mean, I'm just guessing. Well, I'm yeah, I mean maybe, but I'm just the whole Pacific Rim is the ring of fire, right? There's yeah. volcanoes everywhere. Yeah. And that's where a huge portion of the um, global population lives. And it seems like you could get free energy for basically forever. Yeah. Well, I mean, all the, power generation is just different ways to boil water, right? So, if you right, if you were able to just pump water into power. a pump water into a volcano and then capture the steam pressure somehow, you know, you should right. be good. It should be. It seems like it should be feasible to somehow get water near enough lava that it boils, yeah. and then spin something as it rises. Yeah. It seems like that shouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. I'm with you, and yet, yeah. It is not done anywhere as, as far as that, but maybe Iceland in one case. And so, and so that right there is a little tell that we are, the fact that we are not using the earth's menstrual cycle, which is what volcanoes are, <laughs> to power our cities. Yeah. And instead we have like these complicated coal system right. and this giant like solar thing that doesn't work and like a wind farm that kills eagles and all these things when you could just use the volcanoes which is probably what they used in Atlantis I would imagine mm. for their free energy okay if it was if I was an Atlantean and maybe I am that's what I would primarily be getting my my energy from because it's ever present I mean volcanoes have a half-life of millions of years allegedly you know, it's not going to run out on you. Yeah, And it's just, 
it's just infinite free heat that comes up out of the ground that you could easily capture. And like you said, all, all energy is just boiling, heating up something to boil water. That's all, or to, it's all moving, like, except hydro dams. Hydro dams are just the water falling over the dam itself. Ah, good point. Yep. But it's all the movement of water. And so, so nuclear power, that's all it is, is you pump water close enough to a bunch of fuel rods that it boils and then it rises and turns a turbine. And that's the whole magic of it. It's nothing fancy. So, so this should be possible, but no one does it. And no one ever brings it up. So, why? I mean... Why, if Elon Musk... If Elon Musk is actually the this uh, uh, superhero capitalist who emerged out of nowhere and, um, and created all the things he created, why... Why is there, and the market is ripe for these innovations. Why has no one done any of this? And he's good at building tunnels too, which would be, you know, key part of that plan. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think, well, okay, I mean, to answer I, your I like question, it. why? Uh, because um, the idea of energy scarcity has to be maintained for people to get, certain people to get rich. Yes. No, that's true. It's another illusion. Energy and you could say the scarce. same thing about oil too. It's everywhere. I, I'm mostly convinced that. Oil just flows out of the center of the earth and is almost an unlimited resource. Well, a hundred percent it is. I, I think that, yeah, like, I think that like diamonds, they, they keep, the scarcity is artificial. The scarcity is artificial. And you know who else, you know, who comes from a uh, artificially scarce diamond mine family? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Isn't that, isn't it, isn't it weird? Isn't it weird? Isn't it weird that the that the new CEO of all the things that you're supposed to worship and put your faith in comes from like a blood diamond family? Like one of these people that would have hobnobbed with the Carnegies and the Rockefellers. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a bit yeah, weird? Yeah, yeah. And also his name. I mean, come, come on. <laughs> Musk. I mean, I don't know. It only, what is that? it only works if you call him Elon. If you go, hey, Mr. Musk. It's awful. Mr. Musk. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. If you go Elon Musk, and so, and there's that, and also that Elon Musk was like the character in a sci-fi novel from uh, fifty years ago that colonized Mars. Oh, really? I forget which novel. Oh, yeah, they just took Elon Musk was like the Elon Musk. No, it wasn't. It was. It was the name of a Elon was the name of a of a race that lived on Mars or something okay, like that. And then he was, and then they were like, Oh yeah, we'll just call him Elon. Cause this whole spell will be about Mars and how we're, it's a revamping of the moon. Right. So the moon was waning off and people were like, so we get something about something new. Okay. This time we're going to go to Mars. People don't trust NASA anymore. What do we do? We'll have a private space company. We'll call it SpaceX. And we need a guy who can fill the role of this character. Who should we pick? Uh, well, we need to get someone we can trust. Look around. Uh, the Vanderbilt family. No, Anderson Cooper's already been raped enough, and he's on CNN. And then they were like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe the Waltons. Nah, the Bushes. No, they're doing the Iraq thing. I know. Let's get the South African Blood Diamond family. Yeah. And so that's what they did. Because... The story doesn't 
doesn't work. Like, okay, so he's just, he's a guy with no aerospace background at all, right? Mm-hmm. None. Makes the PayPal, allegedly, with, with, am I correct he did this with Peter Thiel? I think so. Gay vampire Peter, literally gay vampire Peter Thiel. <laughs> I mean, that's true. He is a gay vampire. He's a, I mean, literally he's a gay vampire. Yeah. He's gay, and he does the thing where he takes the young blood and injects it so that he retains youth. Yeah, we don't need gay right? vampires he, on the right. Just we don't. We, we don't. don't need them, guys. And so, so Blood Diamond Boy and Gay Vampire start PayPal, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a great name for a new comic book series: Blood Diamond Boy and Gay Vampire. They're a superhero team, and that uh, they start this PayPal thing, and then. If you look into what they say, they sell it or something for like $160 million. And then Elon Musk uh, goes and he has a friend and he's like, they talk about space and he's like shocked that NASA doesn't have a plan to go to Mars. He's like upset. Of course we got to go to Mars. So he says, I'm going to start my own business. Now, keep in mind, he has like $160 million, right? Not very much when it comes to going to space. That's nothing. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's zero dollars. You may as well have zero dollars if you want to build rocket ships, right? 160 is nothing. You the 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 land for the launch pad has got the launch, it, the rocket fuel, the building the thing, the engineer, the the army of engineers you have to employ, the material. It's absurd, okay? And and so somehow he he with this 160 million. Out competes and wins the grants from NASA, from Boeing and Northrop Grumman and all these established space companies Mm -hmm. that have already been doing this. He just pops up out of nowhere while at the same time revolutionizing the car industry, having a flamethrower company, (laughs) making a brain link device, Uh a tunneling system something or another. And a solar power, solar panel battery household thing. He's he's stayed busy. He does all these things. He does all these things. And uh, it's all, it's just, it's just going great. And how could it work? And people are like, well, he's just a super genius. He can, because the story is he read like the, he read the textbooks of his friend about the basics of rocketry in like two days. Which even if you did, so what? How are you going to get all the stuff to, to hundred? Like I said, hundred hundred sixty is like zero dollars. Yeah. And and I say this as someone who is I've I went to the original SpaceX garage. I was in the SpaceX garage with the first building they had, where they were putting together the whatever the Falcon whatevers, and I saw like the raw Falcon being made. Cool, right? Yeah. And it was neat, and they had a ping pong table. And a big rocket in a big <laughs> hangar, right? And the ping pong table was there. Yeah. And beside the ping pong table was a vending machine of very healthy soft drinks. They were all zero sugar. Oh, nice. And there was a couch with an intern passed out on it. And there was a guy with a very long beard inside the rocket welding. Okay. It was, it was interesting to be, to be, and to see. I didn't see Elon Musk. He wasn't there at the time. 
I assume he was on Little St. James Island, but I cannot be sure. <laughs> right? So, but the point is, he, had, he was, he's getting this funding, like he needs, he needs tremendous financial backing from elsewhere for this to happen. Yes. He could not have been a self-starter. Like if you have under sixty million, that you could start a lot of companies with that. You could start, um, you could start a fantastic lawn care business. Yeah, or a bakery, or a software company, right? But a rocket, a spaceship company, is still going to be far outside your budget. Not to mention an electric car company and a this and a that and another thing, right? That's uh, it, it's it's crazy talk, and also in his origin story, they talk about how he, when he first got interested, his first plan was not to build his own rocket. His first plan was to go to the Soviet Union, which they say he did. Keep in mind, this is back when he was like a nobody, mm-hmm. and he and he goes to the Soviet Union and is like knocking on doors and is like, "Hello, Sergey," knock knock knock. I would like to buy an intercontinental ballistic missile. <laughs> and they were like, hmm, how much money do you have? He was like 160 million. And they laugh in his face and shut the door because you couldn't buy an intercontinental. You couldn't buy one ready made for 160. Million. Yeah. I mean, just transporting it where you wanted to go would cost that much to the launch pad. You know how big a rocket is? So uh, that's like saying you're going to make a submarine, like a military submarine company. Yeah. You know how much $160 million does not buy you even like one fighter jet, right? It, it's not, it doesn't, it, it won't work. And yet he's going to go to space over and over. And this is, and this is for years, he has no functioning product that does anything. He's just building rockets and like testing them and trying. Where is the funding coming from? The funding is coming from all of the creepy people at the creepy table who are setting him up to be the uh, Judas goat for the right wing who leads them astray. Like another one. There's always so many for every side. But so what he does is he fulfills the myths that the right wing likes to believe in. He's a self-starter. Capitalism. He built it from the ground up himself. He believes in entrepreneurship and going to space and all of the stuff, right? And people are like, yeah, Elon, we love him. Blah, 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 blah. And then you get the, he will, he plays his Pied Piper song and everyone follows him. And you just sort of walk off the Mary, whatever Mary Cliff he wants to dance you off of. So that's my, that's my scree against Elon Musk. Uh, Matt from Quantum was talking about him this week and he was 100% correct. Yep. It just can't. No, I don't uh, trust that guy at all. No, and his his name is Musk. He's a blood diamond boy who built PayPal with a gay vampire. <laughs> and his name is an anagram of lone scum. <laughs> right. It's not it's not real. Just again, like Musk, Musk is like a sexual term. Right? It's my odor. Right. They can't not give it a sexual name. My romance odor. They can never not do that. Okay, and scum is also a sexual term. True. Right. So, lone scum, Elon Musk, and Elon is the fictional race of the. It's all nonsense. Okay, it doesn't happen. 
Uh, it's for you're just being let off a, let off a cliff. Now, why do they make rockets though? People will say, but he really makes the rockets. Yes, he does. What? Okay, and they're like, well, if they're not going to, they're making rockets to ritualistically have sex with the sky. <laughs> what? It's a giant penis thrust into the sky. Now, Bezos's is definitely a giant penis. Right. That's why they make the head look like it do on so many of yeah. them. And why they have the two side rockets. Because they're the two testicles. It's always the th- just it's right in the open. It's a giant phallic symbol going up into the air. And they always do this on pagan holidays like Saturnalia or Bacchanalia or whatever. If you look back in the Greek calendar when the launches happen, it's a hundred percent always on one of these days. Wait, a hundred percent? Yes. It's like never not the case. And their cover for that is like, well, they would do this on days when it was like the summer solstice. And that just happens to be, because of the most daylight, the best time for us to do it. <laughs> right? They always do it on these days. And they and it goes up. Are you talking about the, the big the, public launches or all the launches? Because, I mean, there are other companies putting rockets into space on the regular. I mean, satellites go up all the time. So it's not every well, well, well. A allegedly, but B yes, like the companies that like the the SpaceX. The highly are you talking about the highly publicized launches are all, always yeah, on like the big ones, like okay, like the ones no one cares about that doesn't have a magic spell attached. Okay, to it. right. But anyway, all of the big ones are always on one of these things, and it's a it's a phallic symbol with like a head on it that's meant to look like a penis with two testicle rockets on the side, and it goes up, and you're basically banging the sky. Because the whole thing is having orgies with the sky beings. It's like the Enochian tale of the angels coming down and having sex. It's the same thing. And what they were probably doing in the olden times, how this was maybe accomplished, was through a similar sort of ritual where you would, the priest would wear a mask of whatever the demon was or the, the god. And then he would and he would embody that and then have sex with the women and this would do this it's, it's it's always this weird ritualistic thing and that's why they that's why that's why the space program is there i mean nasa's logo is literally a snake forked snake tongue and nasa means to deceive in hebrew so so the deceiver nasa the snake tongue having sex with the sky are you following absolutely okay so we've established the earth is flat. I'm glad Wait. we did that. Now, now, <laughs> just kidding. We went a little, it's a little far. I don't know what shape the earth is. I'm just saying, keep an open mind. And while I, while we go down this road, because I want to talk about today, a little book called Last Things by Nick Redfern. Uh, we talked about Nick Redfern before, haven't we? I don't know. It sounds familiar, but I, I, couldn't tell you who he oh, is. He, he, he's the guy that wrote the book on the Men in Black when we did the Men in Black show. Gotcha. Okay. That's why it sounds familiar. Good, great researcher. Poor dresser. Uh, he's from the UK, so a lot of that's just genetic. Um, he has uh, he dresses like a punk rocker still, even though he's like 57 now. <laughs> right? So... I don't know. That makes me a little dubious of him, but all of his stuff is always very, very well researched, sourced, and cited. And he's been doing great work for years and years and years. And you know the little story I told you at the beginning of the show about the man who was found blown up and taken to the hospital and died in the Pasadena thing? Yeah. 
Remember yeah. Him? Wait, that wasn't <laughs> well, that wasn't uh, Kierkegaard. No, that wasn't Kierkegaard. Oh. Bang the Earth is round was just that I just said that after the end of the story. Okay. Right. Uh, do you know who that was? Can you take a guess? No, I have no clue. Uh, he, he was a little fellow who founded a thing that is very influential in NASA. Is no. Hmm? Hmm? You're not talking about it? old uh, JPL guy. JPL guy, you remember his name? Uh, it's a tip of my tongue. I was talking about him today. What is his? Yeah, Parsons. Parsons, Jack Parsons. There we go. Jack, Jack Parsons. Parsons died in an explosion. Jack Parsons died in a horrendous explosion in one of his jet propulsion experiments in which he was trying to have sex with the sky to summon demons. And this is not this is not me making that up. Jim Parsons is well documented as having done as we've talked about on the show before as having done tremendous intense magical rituals to try and do lots of things, not least of which was to birth the Antichrist. His helper in that was L. Ron Hubbard. And his helper was L. Ron Hubbard. And this random, this random like babe showed up and was the vessel. What? Yeah, Yeah, it's very weird. He tried it with multiple, multiple women, actually. Tried to uh, birth the Antichrist through so basically what he was trying to do was was through ritual embody the spirit of lucifer have sex with this woman to give birth to the son of lucifer or the daughter of lucifer he was he was gender neutral he didn't care which one it was as long as it was from lucifer and that's true and you can be like that meh, 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 and you can be like the guy the black lady behind the post office be like mhm yeah mhm and that's okay if you want to do that but I am the man with a dollar bill telling you this, and it's it's true. I'm a hundred. That's that actually happened. The guy that started the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is arguably the main driving force of NASA mm-hmm. from the beginning to now, yep. what did it because he was trying to have sex with the sky to like summon demons, and every year at JPL they celebrate their founder, Jack Parsons, on Halloween every year. And they call it Nativity Day. Oh, no. A hundred percent. This is true. And they also call Jet Propulsion Laboratory, sometimes they call it Jack Propulsion, Jack's Propulsion Laboratory, or, or with a little snide line, a little wink, they'll say, Jack Parson lives, JPL. Ooh. It's very creepy, right? It's very creepy. And I've been in the bowels of this place. It's a very, um, and so he died in a rocket explosion, uh, which was, which is the way your magical rituals always have to go. Um, trying to try when you try to summon, uh, Satan, eventually it comes back to bite you. Uh, I think that's, I think that's pretty well established. Like when you, if you're Aleister Crowley yep. and you try to summon Satan, it may work, right? It may work, but you also have to get uh, Jolly Rogered by your intern in the middle of the desert, which is what happened to Aleister Crowley. Really? Oh, what yeah. does Jolly Rogered mean? Uh, you know, sodomized. Oh, uh. 
And during this episode, he uh, allegedly, for a brief period, manifested uh, pendulous breasts. <laughs> oh no! Take take that for what you yeah. Will. Take that for what you for what you will. Now, so Jack Parsons did his first. He did his first sky sex ritual with rockets, in which he was trying. He was he was literally trying to open a portal to hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. And perhaps he succeeded because he did this in 1947, which is the same year that the first modern UFO sighting occurred. Oh. By Kenneth Arnold. So he goes up. Kenneth Arnold is the first modern UFO witness. Uh, He saw the first sort of flying saucer in 1947. And this happened after Jack Parsons did his thing where he shot up a giant penis into the sky with a bunch of ritual around it. And then coming down from there is the is the entities, the ETs, right? And so one could be forgiven for perhaps thinking this may not be exactly what people have been sold it is, the whole alien thing, especially when people like John D, the magician who we've talked about on the show mm-hmm. before, described his encounters with angels quote-unquote, that he summoned, as flying around in fiery little clouds. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like UFO sort of stuff. Sounds like very UFO. I don't know why they materialize as this. That's left as an exercise to the reader. John D. for I'm listeners unfamiliar, John D. was the court magician to the British royal family during... Uh, who came up with the idea, who by looking into his showstone, which is an obsidian mirror, and doing candle magic said he was in communication with the angel archangel Uriel who after he did some after Uriel instructed him to do some wife swapping <laughs> revealed to him the secrets of how to start the British empire yeah. and some other things allegedly the philosopher's stone whatever that is um and that's because there's always a connection between technology and sexual perversion so when people are like, uh, well, why is all this porn out there and the OnlyFans? It has to be. Interesting. It, there must, it come, that comes from the very beginning of time in like the book of Enoch. The angels come down, they offer technology in exchange for having sex and reproducing their offspring with the human population. And you can argue about why that is, but, but it's true. So, so, uh, on November 25th, 1991, it was a cold day in Lincoln, Nebraska. And there was a Anglican priest by the name of Roy Bush. And he served as the rector of the celebration of the Anglican church in Lincoln. And he'd been there for nearly a decade. He was also the founder and former director of the 14 Research Center, which 14 is sort of like odd happenings. Uh, and he was the former state director for Nebraska of the of the MUFON network, the Mutual UFO mm-hmm. Network. Um, and he was also a he, he had a he had a seminary degree from St. Mark's School of Divinity. So he was a he was a he was a guy sort of after my own heart, right? A little bit religious, a little bit thinking about UFOs, sitting there being an Anglican, probably thinking about C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Okay. 
And he had gotten, and he was on his way on this November 25th, 1991, to uh, the Cornhusker Hotel. And he was excited, but he was also a little scared and a little dubious because he was supposed to sit down. He'd gotten a phone call earlier by two men who provided information that seemed to confirm their identities. Uh, two men who claimed to be physicists working for the Department of Defense. And they claimed to want to talk to him about troubles on their soul from dealing with the disturbing truths at the heart of the UFO mystery. Ooh. This is a true story. This is, this is why I'm telling you. This is, why I prof, this is why I prompted you at the beginning. Be careful lest you become the guy screaming in the post office. Or the is, the, is this what you're telling me? Is this from Last Things by Nick Redfern? Yeah, okay. Correct. All right. So, um, so, um, so, uh, Bosch, Ray Bosch, he says, you know, look, um, I didn't know why they contacted me and I had no idea why they like, tracked me down. Like I, I was nobody. I lived in Lincoln, Nebraska, for goodness sakes. Like, where is a less important place? Okay. Yeah. Right. Seems odd. And I was just this, I just happened to be maybe a guy who had the correct overlap of things they needed to talk about. I knew a little bit about UFOs, about, about this Fortean stuff and about Jesus. And so he gets this phone call and he says, uh, we'd like to get together and have a long com- uh, a conversation. And I arranged the time, you know, and, and at the hotel and it was a lengthy three and a half hour discussion. And most of the time, he said at the first meeting, he had a couple after, was just spent trying to verify these people were who they claimed they were. And also trying to get at the heart of like, well, why did you pick me? Mm-hmm. You know? And this plunged Ray headlong into a strange and surreal world of classified DOD projects, secret meetings with other members, uh, deep throat style sources, stories of very disturbing encounters with what were described to him as NHEs or non-human entities, uh, which many within the UFO research community believe are aliens, but that certain elements within the DOD believe are nothing less than the deceptive minions of Satan. Whoa which is what these two men uh, said. So basically they came to him and said, look, uh, we don't know who to talk to about this. We sort of searched far and wide and we just sort of saw you kind of by chance that you were in this little article about like a priest that was like into UFOs and stuff. And so we decided to contact you because we're in fear for our mortal souls. And (laughs) he said, oh, really? He said, look, here's the thing. We work for the DOD. And for a while now, uh, certain elements in our department have been trying to contact NHEs, non-human entities. Because there is a faction within the DOD, these men claimed, that is certain that they are real. But there's large debate about what they are. Some of them think that they are aliens, extraterrestrials. Some of them think they are interdimensional beings. Some of them think they are straight up spirits. But that they are real and that we can use them as a weapon. Was Michael Aquino involved in any of this? Not to my okay. knowledge. 
Not to my knowledge. Um, and they said, at first, when we got into it, we thought we were dealing with like a blue book, blue book project thing. Like uh, oh. blue beam, you mean? No, blue book, which was the UFO, the official like UFO research thing that was shut down. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, in the, in the, uh, military, mm-hmm. but it was never actually shut down. But they thought, oh, okay, well, this wasn't shut down, and they want us to, like, be the UFO guys. That's a cool job. Sure. But when we got in there, we discovered a world, not only of, like, watching the skies and trying to measure weird objects, but also, like, uh, we were summoned to things where there was, like, this weird ritual element going on. And, like, people would, like, sit in a big chair with electrodes hooked to them and, like, uh, speak in another entity's voice. Ooh. And we began to feel very much like this was bad and that we were doing something bad here, but we didn't really know who to go talk to about this. And uh, both of these men said that they were Christians and they were working on this project and they stumbled into what they said was um, more than they bargained Mm -hmm. for. And they described what was going on as a quote unquote obsessive effort. It was an obsessive effort by the, DOD to harness the powers of whatever these things were um, for intelligence, remote viewing, and also psychotronic weapons. They then showed Roy a series of photographs of various corpses in the same chair in a little room. And they claimed that these victims had been killed through psychotronic weapons. Whoa. One woman had had a brain aneurysm induced, allegedly, through the power of an NHE. Another was a young man who'd had a cardiac arrest. One, amazingly, uh, experienced spontaneous blunt force head trauma. Oh. As if struck by an invisible object. And they thought, this is something we need. If we can do, if this can happen. So there were elements within the government that believed that this was uh, something they needed to harness. And the story that comes out of these two men is actually that there is that element in the government. Um, but they said, listen, um, there is a uh, another element in the government that believes this stuff is bad. Okay. And that... Uh, that these people that the the population needs to be told about it and that um we we we're actually dealing with is that the the government is consorting with with demons and that the there are these two factions within the government uh playing this out and in fact the the side that believes that they are evil and need to be and need to stop call themselves the Collins elite. The Collins elite? The Collins elite. The Collins okay. elite. But to the distress of these two men, as time had gone on, even the people in the Collins elite had begun to feel like our poor man in the post office. And the longer it drew out and the more interconnected they saw that this thing was, um, they began to despair and believe that there was no way to reveal this to the public in a way that the public would A, believe, 
or B, if they did believe it, wouldn't immediately destroy the world because people would be like, this is so awful. We have to just kill everything and everybody. Like there's, they felt that they were caught in a trap. And so even some of the Collins elite had taken up the position of, well, we have to manage this without telling anybody and try to disengage somehow. Because, but, but not, but the Collins elite and the members of the DOD that didn't, that were, that thought it was good to use this, um, believed universally, according to these two men, that, uh, human, the human race was being deceived into believing it was receiving visitors from other planets. Mm-hmm. When in reality, demonic forces were se- secretly squaring up for Armageddon in the final countdown. <laughs> because Jack Parsons opened the portal. Okay. Like that really, Jack Parsons really did orp- open a portal to hell by reenacting the Enochian mysteries. Does, does this, is, this, is this making sense to you? Yes, I follow you. You follow me. This is okay. pretty wild, though. It is a wild thing. However, I remind you that this was sort of explicitly Jack Parsons' goal. Yeah, I mean, the whole he wrote it all down, the whole Babylon working thing, yeah. The Babylon working was to open a portal to hell, and when he did so, the same year the first UFO sighting happens. Okay? He he which looks and acts exactly like the beings that John D communicated with through his showstone. Except now they're no longer in the mirror. They've come through the mirror. Okay. Uh, so. Um, Ray Bosch concluded that a valid way to distract people. Uh, is the two camps. The E.T. believers and the skeptics. While the real story of what's happening is buried. So there's a lie. The ancient art of deception is this. <clears throat> See. It's to create two lies and get people to argue over which one is the truth. Yeah. And that's what people are trapped in all the time in all areas of politics, all areas of the, the stuff. is both What people are arguing on both sides is wrong. People are like, COVID isn't that dangerous or COVID's super dangerous. And the correct answer is viruses aren't alive. <laughs> Do you see? You're arguing over two or it was created in a lab. It's like, no, it wasn't. They just Or the snake venom thing. Like I started the show talking about the snake venom. There's this conspiracy that sort of took the truth community by laughter because it was so ridiculous. Okay. But a lot of people were drawn into it, which is that there was a video released. You can find it on BitChute if you just, I think it's called Something in the Water. And it was saying that the reason some people, the shot hurt some people and didn't hurt other people. And the reason COVID took off in some places and didn't in other places was because what they were actually doing was putting snake venom in the water supply. In selected places. <laughs> and, and, that the the COVID DNA, RNA uh, vaccine was interjecting snake DNA into the population. Yikes. To get them to basically, that basically, that, now this isn't true, in my opinion, in all probability. Nonetheless, if you watch this video, this guy has insane amounts of circumstantial evidence. Where you go, huh, huh, huh. Now, 
Now, um, I believe that's all a distraction. I believe that's all to, to set you up to be the guy. That's that's the ancient art of telling two lies and getting people to argue over which one is the truth. Okay. Right? That that sort of thing of like, well, it's it's the it's the the Chinese did it and it was a pangolin and a bat. And the pangolin and the bat had sex. And that gave birth to a COVID virus, which got into a pig, which got into a monkey, which got into you. Right? And then the other camp is like, no, it was just a variant of the of the first SARS and it went around and it's not anybody's fault. And people just argue back and forth. And it's like Fauci, mask or no mask. It's like, and all of it was for nothing, I think. Right? It's just two lies. This is the thing about NASA. Is the moon landing real or is it not real? Are we going to Mars or are we not going to Mars? And the real answer, and people argue back and forth about that. And the real answer is, doesn't matter. It's a ritual to open a portal to hell. <laughs> See, you just have to jump over all the conspiracy. You jump over them. Yeah, yeah. It's not where it is, right? You just you just go past it. Because they're always trying to get you to argue about which lie is true. but And that's why no one can ever win, because they're both arguing for a lie. Um, so... Nick Red, uh, so Nick Redfern has been around the block for a long time, and so has Ray Bosch. Um, he's still he's still alive, by the way. You can look him up. He started a, I think he's out of the Anglican priest business now, and he started a uh, what was it? He's on LinkedIn as like some sort of counselor for people that have been, um, fourteenly abused. Okay. Or like abused in an occult way. All right, or something. Something strange, like a some something you don't really go to school for. Gotcha. Right. Um, and and Ray said, and Nick Redfern said, look, this was the most when I went down this path, it was the most bizarre stuff I've ever run across. And uh, and that that uh, and that that's the thing is I wanted to warn people like that's what this is going to be, so be careful. And I'm not going to go through the whole story with you. If you want the whole thing, you can get the book, um, Last Things, Nick Redfern. Uh, but I, because I think it would just be too damaging for your psyche, really. Because it goes, it gets wild. But if you look into the things, a lot of them have a lot of backing that isn't even really debatable. Okay, so I don't, I wanted to warn you people so you didn't end up like, did you know that they opened, a, NASA opens a portal to hell at the, to the lady at Kroger? <laughs> or whatever you see your supermarket of choice is. I think a lot of our listeners are in Colorado and they don't have a Kroger. What do they have on all these? I don't know what they have over there. Or something dumb? I think it's just something pot dumb. dispensaries everywhere and everybody just shops it's there. It's just pot dispensary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, Nick Redford says it was like when he started going down in this, into this rabbit hole. It was a maze populated by shadowy informants, scared old men in, in possession of horrifying decades-old secrets and illuminating yet bizarre classified documents. Um, he said, The long and winding story I uncovered for this book is both unsettling and unnerving in equal and awful measures. Quote, At its cold heart lies a bleak and disturbing scenario to explain the UFO presence in our world that, for many years has been firmly and secretly embraced as nothing but the literal truth by a group of the American government, military, and intelligence personnel. 
collectively calling themselves the Collins Elite. Yet, for all their military swagger, ingrained machismo, and bravado, the Collins Elite live in a perpetual state of overwhelming fear and absolute dread. Uh, so, he says this is because they believe that uh, the clandestine activities um, of what the group perceives to be hostile and ominous, ominous intruders from a realm of existence far different from the one we inhabit, who hate us more than you can possibly imagine, and want us to uh, embrace the idea they're extraterrestrial visitors who are benefactors and seek only our good from a faraway star system, but which secretly feed on uh, human beings' emotions, fears, and ultimately souls. And this is, this is, this is, the existence of the Collins elite is not really debatable if you look into it. It's, there is a group within the government, in the DOD, in the intelligence communities, in the military, who is firmly convinced of this. Now that's upsetting for two reasons, for, on two possible fronts. One, it's true, and this is happening, which is horrible. But, you know. There's a they're being attacked by the Legion of Satan. That's not great. Nah. Two, it's not happening, and there's a group of extremely, extremely unwell unwell men in charge of all the weapons <laughs> who are outside of their minds. Yeah. <laughs> Neither scenario is good, but they exist. The Collins Elite um, exists. Um, and that we are being encouraged. Quote from these Collins Elite. They believe that humanity is being encouraged to accept and embrace Satan himself in the guise of an advanced alien entity as our savior shortly before the countdown to Armageddon begins and time finally runs out. So that's not great. Uh, that's not great. Well, it's got to so, come to pass eventually. Right. Um, in short, they said that the, the, the entities that are commonly perceived as the greys, the gray aliens, mm -hmm. are hungry for souls, voracious, perhaps insanely so, uh, with an appetite that we can scarce comprehend and on a, with a scale of hatred that is scarce imaginable. Um, so, here's the thing about the greys, and we get back to magic. You know what the greys look a lot like? Uh, no. Uh, they look like, well, they look like a little fellow named Lamb. Oh, I remember Lamb, yeah. Lamb was the first entity contacted by Aleister Crawley. Yep. And Lamb came to Aleister Crawley in a vision uh, after one of his crazy sex magic rituals uh, in Bolsking House. Now, Bolsking House is a house on Lake Loch Ness, where, not, where Nessie is. Is that unrelated? Probably not, honestly. It's probably very related. Uh, and as an aside, Bolsking House was, was purchased and owned for about 15 years by Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin. Of course it was. Who had extreme occult things in his, in his uh, albums, in the Led Zeppelin albums. In fact... They were a large magical spell, and he's not really shy about saying this. 
that they put into their lyrics. Um, this is where some of that stuff from like the 70s, is like, oh, if you play it backwards, it says, hail Satan. Mm-hmm. Right. That's actually true. There were like subliminal little bits in there that would be, it didn't say hell Satan, but it was like a incantation. Yeah. The idea being that if we got popular and sold this record around the world, millions of people would be inadvertently helping in our spell to bring about um, whatever it is we're seeking to bring about. And so Jimmy Page, who was a, was a devotee of Aleister Crowley, purchased this house and wrote a bunch of the songs for Led Zeppelin, including, I think, Stairway to Heaven, uh, in this in Aleister Crowley's um, house. The album Zoso, which is probably the most famous, was conceived mostly there. And uh, uh, a lot of Robert Plant's, uh, the singer of Led Zeppelin, personal family tragedy seems to be connected to these dark rituals that they uh, had done there. Although Jimmy Page himself was spared... Because he, uh, he, well, he, in his own words, he sold his soul for a higher level of protection. Yikes. Not making this up. This is all you can look at. It's, it's a crazy story. But anyway, Aleister Crowley, uh, in, in, on Loch Ness, buys this house. In it, he does his first magical rituals, and he's, cont- he's, he's, he receives a vision of an entity named Lamb who looks disturbingly like a gray alien. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, that's the thing. That that's it's same same critter, whatever it is. Same critter. Yeah. Now, do you know what Lamb told uh, uh, Alistair Crowley he was when he said, "What are you?" No. He said, "I am an Enochian entity." Oh. It's right there in plain sight, guy. This was back in like 1912 or whatever. Yeah, this was a long like, time ago. No. They. It's all the same thing. I, this is what is happening. And you can believe it or not. Crowley's, um, Crowley wasn't 1912. I thought he was like in the 30s. Or whenever. Yeah. But, you know, it was a while back. Early 1900s. Yeah, yeah. He was insane. And um, so uh, basically, and we, we have to keep this show a little shorter today because of reasons. And I don't want to get into it too much. And I want to talk about one more thing before we close. But there is strong evidence from multiple different angles that aliens are um, demonic forces, that a large group in the government believes they are, but doesn't know what to do about it. Some of them think that they can make a sort of Faustian deal with them and stave off the end of the world for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Others think this is a horrible plan, but don't know what to do about it. It was the their portal was opened by Jack Parsons, the founder of NASA and JPL, in a sky ritual in which he has sex with the sky through the rockets, which opened the, the door for the first UFO to come down, seen by Kenneth Arnold in 1947. Founded on the with the help of uh, the guy that founded Scientology, Ron Hubbard, to birth the Antichrist using the magic of Aleister Crowley who had a house on Loch Ness in which the album Zosa was written. And that's the story. <laughs> I'm okay? just I'm just picturing you in a post office right now, like yelling this. This is why I don't go to the post office. Because <laughs> I've been in that guy's shoe before. Because I understand, like, you want to tell people, like, do you know how insane the world is? Do you, you're sitting here, like, mailing stamps, woman. <laughs> what are you doing? You're mailing a stamp. And that NASA is opening a portal to hell. You know? Yeah. 
But, no, but know that feel. Bang, bang, the world is round. Doesn't help. That's the message of this. Bang, the world is round does not help because A, bang, the world is flat or something. And B, even whatever it is, doesn't matter because sanity cannot be judged from within the matrix. It can only be judged from without the matrix and your sanity cannot be validated by those still within the matrix. All that said, what do you think about the recent trend of food plants burning down? Yeah, I think I think that there is a uh, good segue by the way. Thank you. Um wait, I had a segue thing. Here we go. Segue. Transition. 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 We need to uh we need to get a, a great soundboard. What my soundboard is great. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, I need one. I want to have a little button where I can press and it'll go, bring out your dead. Do you need that power? I don't know. From Monty Python, you know, <laughs> or something that would be like, uh, yeah, baby. Well, there's a lot of power. Powers. I mean, I'm tempted all the time to just, to just do this. If I said you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? <laughs> there's just all sorts of things on it that I don't get to use. Anyway, yeah. back to your question. Yeah. What do I think about all the food plants burning down? Because, well, first go over with the people what's been happening. Okay. So for the past, it's been going on a little while, a uh, few months now. But all these seemingly random accidents are happening at food processing companies. So um, the Azure Standard Warehouse in Washington State uh, totally burned down. Um, they're a huge uh, like organic food distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, various meat processing plants, uh, distribution centers, warehouses, uh, grain milling, um, like it's been place, a lot. fertilizer factories and warehouses, all sorts of stuff that's connected to the food supply. There's been a string of industrial accidents, fires, um, in some cases, plane crashes, although the plane crashes didn't really do any damage. They seem to be at most uh, symbolic, but probably just coincidental because the real, the real significant damage has, has been things like boiler explosions or unexplainable fires, things like that. And it's, it's a lot. I, I saw a map and there was probably, and I'm sure some of these cases were not huge and some of them were pretty significant, but something on the order of 50, 40 or 50 on the map. I don't know. Don't quote me on that, but it was a lot. And it, and it's coming at a time when there's already global trends involved, as we've covered on the show many times, about famine. Um, mm-hmm. There's all sorts of trouble with fertilizer supplies, uh, getting the wheat crop harvested and the new one planted. Um, of course, Ukraine is is not in the game, and they're a huge breadbasket country. Uh, and then um, I saw the the Rockefeller Foundation. I looked into this yesterday for a little while. And uh, right now they are going, they're wall-to-wall food on the Rockefeller Foundation website. And it was only uh, the end of March um, that they transitioned the website from all about pandemics and COVID to all about uh, f- food shortages and nutrition and food 
nutritional research and all about food. And I want to dive into this a little deeper, but just in flipping, I got on a Wayback Machine and was flipping through the past versions of the Rockefeller website. And they seem to very, uh, they seem to be like a leading indicator of what's going to be the the major global narrative mm-hmm. uh, with what they're, what they're bragging about uh, funding research on or initiatives or whatever. Uh, but... To go back to your question, what do I think is happening? I think at the surface level, probably there's, um, you know, fourth generation warfare sabotage activity going on between the United States and Russia. And we're just like blowing up each oh, other's stuff. You mean stuff. like we're both blowing each other's food stuff up? Well, I, not, I, don't, I think in, the, in America, it's more related to food. But in Russia also, they're uh, the largest chemical plant in Russia that is a big petrochemical refinery. Uh, just went up and uh, their equivalent of JPL or their um, they're sort of their uh, DARPA sort of facility uh, went up in flames mysteriously. Uh, so there's, there's things going on in, in Russia too, that are strange uh, to my, from what I've seen, it hasn't necessarily been directly related to food, but it does seem that for whatever reason, whoever's behind it, the U.S. food supply is under attack from many angles, uh, both at really the global food supply. And one one other thing I've noticed is there's I've been kind of keeping up with the fertilizer supply situation in, in different areas of the world. And mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the year, I probably reported on the show that farmers in South America, specifically Brazil, were, were having trouble getting contracts and fertilizer and all this stuff. Um, well, the. That has been resolved, and shipments of fertilizer are making it into Brazil, and they're planting their crops. And I looked into it a little bit further, and Brazil is a huge agricultural trading partner with China. And so what I think is happening is that the countries of the BRICS union are securing for themselves um, fertilizer harvests. They're shoring up their food um reserves and and protecting their infrastructure while at the same time doing things to mess with the food infrastructure in the West. Um, And I I wouldn't care to speculate who may be complicit with the BRICS countries in messing up the Western food supply infrastructure. Um, But it seems to me that that is certainly going on. And in fact, the Rockefeller Foundation is so hyped up about this food shortage thing that one of their Head honchos, uh, whose name I don't remember. Maybe I've got the page open here. Um, oh, oh, I don't. But one of their head honchos at Rockefeller uh, has declared that within the next six months there will begin a global famine. So mm, they have an- they have announced they have announced it with a date with a start date within the next six months. Global famine. They will start a global famine. And you know, listeners to this show, this is nothing new to you. Uh, but you can maybe be updated uh, with the fact that it seemed to be proceeding on schedule and the Rockefellers uh, have announced what the plan going forward will be. Sort of like how Klaus Schwab was talking about uh, global pandemics before before COVID hit. And, all, and so was Fauci and all those guys. It does seem like they're priming all the four horses of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Pestilence. One after the other. Like famine. Famine. Yeah. Because pestilence. COVID would be pestilence. War. Yeah, and then and then war. What yeah. I, we have to look up what the order now, is. What I never realized until I started living through the Book of Revelation was that all those would be fake. 
but also still be deadly. Yeah, it's well, it's funny how it can be so deadly, but still be so full of lies. You know, it's like the we could convince we could convince the world that all the crops have failed. And if all the crops hadn't failed, people would still starve. Yes, which is the scary bit, which is why there's a guy at the post office trying to convince people because he wants to stop that fate, but it cannot be stopped. Right. It just yeah. it, it, like he's like, I have to I have to convince people because then it won't happen. Yeah. But but look, I, I look, I've been down that road. It's not possible. Well, it's, it's why no I'm not how brilliant of a communicator you are. I'm not like if 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 the, all the stuff about Jack Parsons is is accurate um, and, it, you know, he did like kick off the end of the world. It's like, well, I'm not going to worry about it because it was going to happen eventually. Like if it if mm-hmm. it's if it's in God's word, it will come to pass and it doesn't matter you know, I'm not. I'm not really going to worry about if it's going to happen now or by this means or by some other. Uh, but it, mm-hmm. I mean, but it just does. It does show you, just because it's been foretold, doesn't mean that the people doing it aren't evil because they are evil. Like Jack no, Parsons was an evil dude. Or that people will notice when it's happening. That's one of the things I always wondered about. Like, what, if people like know what's supposed to become, won't they yeah. see it and like know? Yeah, that's the. They won't. That's the other weird. That's thing. the crazy bit. Um. But yeah, I'm on the Rockefeller website now. You're right. It's like all their past blog posts are like uh, COVID, 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 COVID. And right now they have a big picture of a bunch of tomatoes. Yeah. It says advancing good food right. for all. And advancing good is in a different color than food for all, as if they're saying advancing good and also food for all. There's all there's the picture of like the, the white hands full of grain and all the little brown hands reaching out to the grain. Oh, where's that? I haven't seen that. Uh, maybe they, maybe they've, maybe it's on a rotating carousel of images. Oh, okay. But I, I saw that. And I was like, hmm. Wonder if all the food in the West is going to be transferred to, <laughs> so elsewhere. I mean, you know, you just you see these things and you wonder when you start looking for meaning in in things, you wonder what they mean. What do they mean by that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Hmm. So anyway. Prepare for a fake famine, which will have real effects. Do you think the audience would like to know about uh, how to how to start chicken operations quickly and cheaply? I think they would love to, and I think that you will tell them, and I think that they still won't do it. <laughs> and then, and then after it falls, they'll be like, "Man, I should have done it." Well, I, I, there's a lot of people uh, in my area and in my social circle that have chickens now, and um, mm-hmm. it's funny because there are people like showing up under various pretenses asking if they can buy hatching eggs or buy chicks or whatever. And I think that I think it's getting really hard to get chicks uh, to start your own flock because of the fake avian flu, which I do not believe is real. I think it's oh, that's another way they're hurting the food supplies. They have to call all the birds because they had the birds. Well, this is a good example of something could be a lie and still be deadly is because what, what exactly. I think they're doing is they're coming in with these PCR tests that pop positive for no apparent reason. And they'll just test enough birds till one of them pops and then they'll call a whole flock. Cause that's, yeah. that's what the, the FDA or USDA or whoever's doing this. Um, they'll come in and if, and if they detect flu in the flock, man, that all the birds are dead. That's it. Um, yeah, and this is all because Jack Parsons opened a portal to hell. This is why things started going <laughs> off the rails in the 1950s. Yeah, maybe because it was a because people started converting with demons in a more explicit manner. Right, that's why things. That's why this happened. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, I guess prepare for a for a fake famine. Maybe we can talk about chickens. I'm all I'm all fired up about chickens right now because I just hatched a bunch of eggs. To add to my oh, flock. I saw that. 
and there's more. Do you do the thing where you eat the tiny, tiny baby chickens? Do I eat them? No. Yeah. No, I'm gross. You know, in China, because China does everything with, weird with food. They eat, like, the babies. Oh, that's gross. Well, they would say you're gross. Well, they would be wrong. I have, a, I have, in, my, I have in my garage some drinks from China. Okay. And they're like little bottles, non-alcoholic. But it but it says swallow nest drink. <laughs> and I thought, I wonder what that's made of. Do you know that um, about 75% of the groundwater in China is undrinkable because it's so polluted? I don't doubt it. But anyway, I turned my bottle around thinking, I wonder what the ingredients are. And uh, it said water and swallow bird nest. <laughs> What? So I opened That's it. That's the ingredients? I I opened it, and it's like a gelatinous, watery thing. And if you drink it, it's like there's little particles of hay in your mouth. Are you kidding and me? It's like, it's like they took a swallow's nest and made a beverage out of the swallow's nest. That's the worst like thing I've ever nest. heard. It's awful, but it's supposedly good for um, allergies. <laughs> I'm rolling the outro. I don't know. I'm not drinking this. I'm sorry. That's dumb. You want me to send you some? What? No. I want you to throw it in the fire. That's awful. Well, I have all these bottles of Swallow's Nest, and it feels disrespectful to the Swallow's Okay, send me one. I want. I do want to see it. You have to taste it. It's not good. I want to see awful. it for myself. Okay. Yeah.